Welcome to the Weekend Booktopian. I'm Mark Harding, Content and Brand Manager for Booktopia, and this is a podcast about the books we're reading. Joining me today are Category Manager for Lifestyle Books, Shinu Prasad. Hello, Shinu. Hello. Category Manager for Kids and YA, Sarah McDuelling. Hello, Sarah. Hi. And we're also joined by Senior Content Producer and Editor of the Booktopian blog, Olivia Frico. Hi, Liv. Hi. First up today, I'm going to have a quick chat with Michael Campbell, Executive Director of Western Sydney-based literacy charity, uh, Westwards. And then we're going to delve into the books everyone is reading and be sure to stick around until the end of the show when my guests will go head to head in a book quiz battle for supremacy known as Book Fight. But first up, my chat with Michael Campbell. So I'm joined today on the Weekend Booktopian by Michael Campbell, the Executive Director of Westwards. Michael, welcome to the show. Lovely to be here. Uh, can you please tell us a little bit about the work that Westwards is doing? Well, Westwards is Western Sydney's literature development organisation. And we're an arts-based um, uh, organisation uh, working right across Greater Western Sydney with centres in Campbelltown, Parramatta and Blacktown. Um, and it's wonderful to work in Western Sydney. Uh, Western Sydney is home to... Uh, just under one in 10 Australians. Um, it, over half the world's populations are represented here and it is rich and it's diverse and it's full of stories. And we work very closely with writers, writers and artists of all ages to celebrate the people, the places and the cultures that are the heart of this region. Um, and we do that through uh, a a diverse range of programs, which include residency, fellowships, mentorships, workshops. We uh, have publications and we have got an events program as well. Um, that's Westwards. And we work with uh, kids, young adults, all the way through, right through to uh, established writers who we uh, employ to deliver our programs. That's fantastic. And... Um... We've been working with Westwards on uh, your your upcoming fundraiser called Booktober. Could you tell us a little bit about what Booktober is all about? Well, yes, it's about two things, really. The, the very first thing, it's about getting people reading, uh, getting people reading particularly Australian books, because in the... In the books, they hold the stories of us, of our uh, contemporary experience, our contemporary understandings and our contemporary imagination. Um, and it's also, uh, it gives us, especially in, in these times, understanding and empathy into worlds that, and experiences beyond our own. Um, so it's to get people reading. Um, but it's not only that. Through the work that we do, um, we work with a lot of kids, a, a lot of young adults who unfortunately don't have access to their own books. Um, they don't have that opportunity. And so what we do is that um, through Booktober, uh, we help to raise money in order to get books, to continue our work, to get books into the hands of those kids. Uh, so they can have the same opportunities as we all do. That's fantastic. Um, and where can people go to um, to sign up to take part in, in Booktober? And what does taking part in Booktober look like? Oh, uh, you go to booktober.org.au. And how you participate is in a number of different ways. 
Um, you can sign up as a bookworm. And what that means is that you sign up and say that you're going to read so many books uh, during the course of October, Booktober. Um, you can also, if uh, you can, and then you can rally people to sponsor you to do, to read. How good is that? Um, if you're not so much a reader yourselves, but really understand and believe in uh, what we're trying to do, uh, you can jump into the, into booktober.org.au and you can find somebody who um, you would like to sponsor or you can do it that way, or you can also directly donate to, to help. Uh, so that's how you uh, get to participate. And what do you hope that the people who participate uh, will get out of Booktober, other than, um, you know, the, the, the good feeling of, of having contributed funds to this very worthy cause? Well, one of the things is that um, the, the benefits of reading are, are just fantastic. I, I just talked about sort of the worlds that it opens up uh, for you when you do so. But it's through, um, an incre for kids, it's through increased literacy. It's also through being able to see themselves rec um, re and recognise themselves in the stories that they're reading. It also means it opens up in, uh, into their potential. What they, what those, through reading, they'll be able to sort of see what they can be and where they can go. And reading and literacy are life skills. They're skills uh, that are fundamental to realising your own potential. That's what we hope to do. Um, for those people who are doing the reading, well, you know, there is Dry July, which kind of uh, looks at the health of your body. But Booktober is about the health and well-being of your mind and your spirit. Absolutely. That's such a wonderful, wonderful way of looking at it. Um, and what about uh, you yourself, Michael? How many books are you planning to read uh, for Booktober? Well, in my, in, my, in my fantasy world, there's a very, very large pile of books next to my bed, which <laughs> I, I would, I would I'd, I'd think, oh, I'd be able to get through all of those. But to be honest, there's around about 22 there. So I'm, I'm also, I don't think I'll get through 22. <laughs> but what I hope to do is... I uh, would like to read at bare minimum, minimum one a week uh, for me. I want to be able to sit. I've got an eight-year-old daughter, and every night I sit there with her reading, and um, I hope to get through one large chapter book every three days throughout the course of October. Uh, Booktober. And then, of course, um, my older one, who's now 14, um, she's not going to be very receptive to me reading to her. So I'm going to get her to uh, become a bookworm and I'm going to get her, her friends to sponsor her. And then I'll hopefully convince my wife to sponsor me <laughs> as well as become a bookworm herself. Well, that, well, so it sounds like um, the benefits are, are great for mental health and uh, also bringing families together. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, one of the great things is that... Um, be, for us, but also it's in the research that from our very earliest age with our children, we sat down with large picture books, hardcover picture books, and we read to them every single night. Um, and it, and they learnt through through reading. They they became engaged in the in in the worlds beyond themselves 
through that process. It brought um, uh, my children and I closer together um, in, in a kind of nightly ritual that when the day was finishing, we would come together through the stories in books. That's lovely. And um, for people who might want to take part but don't know what books they should read or, or what a good list of books, books is, uh, is there somewhere where they can go to find that? Absolutely. On the Booktober website, uh, we, what we've done is put su suggested reading lists together. And we put lists together very particularly because in a month where you're dedicated to reading, um, you might be might feel like going and doing a bit more exploring uh, beyond uh, what you normally might gravitate to if you are if you're on the Booktober we uh, Booktopia website um, and you kind of go to you know the the places that you know. On the Booktober website, we've got lists of for children. We've got edgy young adult lists. We've got Aboriginal, contemporary Aboriginal literature. We've got uh, uh, books from Western Sydney, specifically from this region, um, to for you to explore. That's wonderful. Um, so there's lots and lots of information there um, and lots of great books that, that um, you'll be connecting people to. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what the funds raised will be able to do? Well, what it will be able to do, it will be able to put books directly in the hands of uh, some of these young children and young people that we've come across through our extensive work in the region, and we'll be able to actually give them their own books. But it's not just that. It's not just that. Uh, we will do programs in and around that to help them with their writing, to help them uh, be able to find their voice their own personal voice but and and then through the reading be able to expand into what they might be able to do so we we won't be doing just a single kind of well here you go off you go we'll be doing a sort of a 360 look at how we can help develop these young people Amazing. And, you know, as as booksellers at Booktopia, um, you know, we, we know all too well that um, literacy really does change lives and the work that you guys are doing is so is so valuable. Um, and so we would urge everybody listening uh, to head over to the booktober.org.au website, sign up as a bookworm or donate um, and support this really worthy cause. Um, Michael, thank you so much for your time. I don't want to take up uh, too much of it. I'm aware uh, that you have a meeting to go to in a couple of minutes. Um, but I just wanted to thank you very much for your time and wish you all the best uh, for Booktober. Thank you, Mark. And thank you for uh, to Booktopia because if you go into Booktopia, I think you, you, you sell a book almost once every six seconds through the site. That's fantastic. That is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, we, we, do, we do what we can to get as many books to as many Australians as possible. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's wonderful what you do. And thank you for partnering with us on this. Not a problem. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you. All right. Now it's on to the books that we are reading. Uh, Olivia, why don't you regale us with a tale of the book that you're reading at the moment? Well, I've read a lot of good books lately, which is good because for a while I was having a lot of trouble just finishing something. Um, I read Honeybee by Craig Silvey, really enjoyed that. I read Piranesi by Susanna Clarke, also really enjoyed that. Loved The Lying Life of Adults by Elena Ferrante, that was great. 
Um, but at the moment, I'm reading Ali Smith's Summer, which is the last book in her um, seasonal quartet. Um, it's basically like a beautifully lyrical reflection on the state of the world told through this lens of like climate change and ecological, impending ecological um, catastrophe, um, told through the eyes of um, mostly a young two siblings, Satcha and Robert, um, who are both kind of on differing ends of the spectrum when it comes to, you know, believing in climate change. Um, and it's just about the journey that they go on in their relation to the natural world. If you've read any of the other novels in the seasonal quartet, it's very much from the same playbook. Um, not that it's formulaic, but if you enjoyed those, you'll really enjoy this one. Um, Summer is my least favourite season, but I'm really enjoying the summer by Ali Smith. And if she can write every summer from here on in, I will be happy. Um, so I'm reading that. And I'm also planning to dive into Ghosts by Dolly Alderson. Alderson? Dolly Alderson. Um, it's her debut novel um, about a 32-year-old woman who's a successful food writer but her personal life is falling apart and she tries dating apps, um, becomes a victim of ghosting. Um, we've all been there. <laughs> At least I have. I don't want to turn this into my... I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> um, but she's also dealing with, like, family issues, like her dad's got dementia and she's thinking about, like, the biological clock. Um, it's just kind of one of those painfully relatable millennial novels. Um, it's been blurbed by Elizabeth Day and Marion Keyes. I love Marion Keyes. Um, and I follow Dolly online. She's really cool. Um, so, yeah, at the moment, I'm okay. also planning to read. Can you describe that book in relation to normal people? <laughs> no, I will not. I refuse. <laughs> if I see another Is anything like another uh, book, uh, Fleabag? <laughs> You just said millennial, and so I had to. <laughs> oh, did you know? It's uh, Fleabag meets Sally Rooney. There you go. Wow. I've not heard that before. That sounds amazing. It's it's not. I'm being facetious. I know, I know. I'm also being facetious. It's just a facetious parade at the moment. Mm. All right. Well, thank you for that, Liv. Uh, Sarah, why don't we go to you? What are you up to reading-wise? Oh, I don't read anymore. <laughs> I know if, I, I've come to this podcast about the books we've read and I have not read anything. <laughs> yeah, I honestly, do you want to talk about Julie and the Phantoms? I can do that. <laughs> I, I've had a bit of a slump. Um, I blame Holopox because that was a really fun read and since then I just haven't really wanted to read anything. I am actually, it's not true, I am halfway through a fantastic book, which I did speak about last time I did this podcast, but I'll just touch on it again, um, which is A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik. I really like taking my time with this one because it's it's a cool world. I really am enjoying the world building. Shanu, I believe you've read it. I have read it, and I read it really yeah. fast, not realising it was the start of a series. Oh, so and I'm going to really meander. It's good I, to take your time with it because when you get to the end of it, you just like... Ah, I need the next one. <laughs> ah, maybe I'll go even more slowly because I really like this world. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really scary. It scared me a little bit. Not scared me it's like scary, as, but it's like it's like you just don't see that many, um, you know, 
books that are actually for young adults where it feels like almost like Saw the movie kind of style of like, but in a school. Like anything can happen. It's so true. I and kind of understand now. <laughs> they just died. Why the publishers <laughs> said it was adult fantasy. And I was like, how dare you? It's a school about a young teenager yeah. girl in a magic school. Like that's YA. You can't tell me that that's not YA. But now that I'm reading it, I kind of kind of get why they were yeah. positioning it in adult fantasy because it's genuinely quite scary. <laughs> um, there's there's no point at the books that I've read so far where the characters aren't in imminent danger of death. And it's not even just that they could die at any moment. It's that that right? thing they accept yeah. when they go to this school. Like it's like yeah. not a, a small percentage of the kids are going to make it out of this school alive and they know that when they go in. And it makes for a really interesting um, storytelling ground because <laughs> you're like, it's intense. It's really intense. Um, and it's, there's also a lot of humour, yeah. yeah. Um, and I really like the main character is, um, you know, her, her gift is kind of inherently sort of dark and evil, um, but she has made a conscious decision to, like, not be dark and evil, but also at any moment she could be dark and evil. <laughs> it's really, I really, I'm really liking it. So that's A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik, um, author of Uprooted, also a fantastic book, and Spinning Silver also amazing and then now we have to talk about my tbr because i've got nothing else <laughs> um this weekend after saving it and saving it i don't know i have this weird delayed gratification thing sometimes with books that i yeah. know that i'm gonna love and i just can't bear to start them because then i'll finish them and it'll be over <laughs> but um i'm finally finally going to settle down with garth nix's left-handed booksellers of london I'm, I'm super excited. Oh, my God, good. Then we can both talk about it next week. Yes. Um, I'm really, I, I really can't wait for this. I think I've, I mean, I'm sure I've spoken before on the podcast about how much I love Garth Nix. This is a new, a whole new thing. It's not connected to the Old Kingdom. It's not connected to Angel Mange, which was his book of last year that I loved. This is a whole new thing about left-handed booksellers of London. <laughs> <laughs> And, like, honestly, for, for details, I'll have to have to wait until next month after I've read it. Also, I believe we'll be podcasting with Garth Nick sometime in between now and then. So there's yes. that too. Yes. But, yeah, I'm very excited for that. And I'm also, um, I've also recently got a copy of um, the new Jennifer Niven book, Breathless. That is, this, this will actually, I believe, be my first Jennifer Niven book. Um, she wrote she wrote all the bright places which I was too scared to read because I heard that it was sad and I didn't <laughs> want to read it and there's since been a there's since been a Netflix um movie of that and I hear that that's sad too so I haven't watched it so like <laughs> sometimes I'm not I, I'm not opposed to a sad ending but sometimes I just don't it's not what I go to YA for normally um and yeah. so uh this book though sounds like it's going to be hopefully I haven't heard that it's sad and the blurb does not lead me to think that it's going to be sad it sort of seems very like personal it, right yeah I think it's a it's about a girl who's you know trying out some important life things for the first time which is a teenage rite of passage and it just seems as though it's Isn't um, it based on her own experience oh I didn't know that I didn't oh, know I that, that. I, I, I thought 
That I makes it even that, more. I that it was, yeah. No, I think it's just about it. So, okay, the premise of the book is that there's a girl is sort of, you know, as so many YA heroines throughout the history of young adult literature have done, been forced to go somewhere on holiday that she didn't want to go to, um, which is like a remote place and it spoils all her plans that she had where she was going to, you know, hang out with her friends and maybe like hook up with a cute boy. And instead she's sent out to this remote place, but then she meets a boy there and then they fall in love and, um, you know, that's the story as far as I'm aware. I haven't started reading it yet, but it's like a love story where both people are like very much aware that it's only going to be for the summer because they both live far away with their families and they are children, so they can't they can't decide to relocate. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, I, I think it's about a girl's first time, really, um, which I don't know. I'm, I know how popular this author is. Um, and if I really like Breathless, you might see me then deciding to finally read all the bright places. Who knows? Stay tuned. That's about all I've got to say for, about the books I haven't read. <laughs> oh, thank you for that, Sarah. <laughs> um, what about you, Shanu? What have you been reading or not reading? Uh, oh, no, no. I, yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been reading. Um, the, this past weekend, I, um, I, I. Okay, so I I read a lot of YA. I do read other books as well. People keep seeming surprised that I do read, you know, more serious <laughs> books, but I do. I just don't, you know, they're just not my, you know, go-to. But um, I was quite amazed because when the Man Booker Long List came out, I was like, oh, my goodness, I've actually already read, like, just through my own reading, like, three <laughs> books that were on the long list. <laughs> and then the short list came out and I went, well, there we go. That's typical. None of the books that I'd read were obviously, you know, literary enough to make the short list. So um, I have, though, in, had at my house for like four months or something, um, a copy of um, Burnt Sugar by um, Avni, uh, Avni Doshi. And I had been meaning to read it for ages and ages and ages. And then when the, um, the um, Booker shortlist came out and I knew that Joe um, wants to read all the books and she hadn't read that one yet and so I knew I was seeing her this week so I knew I had to read the book so I could give it to her to read um, and so I read it and it was quite sad <laughs> and quite um, it, it was it was it was yeah it was it I don't I don't know if it ended on a place of acceptance or a, or a note of or resignation but I didn't feel great at the end of it. I wasn't like, oh, this that was wonderful. I was like, oh, wow. Like it was it was powerful, but it wasn't like happy. So then I thought, you know, I finished that at like, I don't know, two o'clock or something. I was like, okay, I'll read another book. Instead of like picking up, say, one of the millions of YA books that I'm really excited to read or, you know, um, like, or like, you know, the, the, the David McAllister um, biography, uh, autobiography, Saul, which I'm definitely going to read. Um, I, I didn't pick up any of those things. What I thought instead was I know what I'll read. I'll read. The new Richard Flanagan. <laughs> Just something light. <laughs> Just something <you> know? light. <laughs> um, I've never read Richard Flanagan before, but I do understand that his books generally aren't just, you know, quick throwaway Saturday afternoon reads. Anyway, <laughs> so I opened it up and I read the first page and I went, I don't understand this. <laughs> I read it again. I was like, I don't think this is actually a sentence that is grammatically correct, like any of them on the first page. So then I love this so much. <laughs> then I thought, you know what, I was sitting outside in the garden by myself, um, 
no one else was home. The neighbours weren't outside. So I was like, you know what, I think I'm just going to try reading this out loud just to see if that helps. So I started reading it out loud and then I read the next uh, four chapters out loud and it was amazing. <laughs> the, this is so I cool. Not, I did not realise how different something, I mean, I don't really listen to audiobooks and I did not realise how differently something can come across just from the act of reading reading out loud versus yeah. you know, scanning scanning a page. And it's the only way I can edit my uni essays, I have to read them out loud. Like, does this loud. make sense? Does this flow? There you go. It's and number one tip. 100%. And so his writing out loud, particularly the beginning, I, once you kind of get past that, I, firstly, my voice was quite sore. And secondly, um, it, it turned more into a bit, not, I would, it's not conventional, but more of a narrative that was about the, the story rather than so much the language that was being used. And I think I'd gotten used to it by then. But the language um, and how he uses it is so beautiful. And it is so, it just, it's just amazing. Um, it is another story of real, um, tragedy um and tragedy at a very personal level and tragedy at a kind of world level um for me when i finished reading it um i feel like it works on uh, more levels than i probably even understand but um the sense that i got from it was a little bit like the sense i got from when i finished reading last migration even though in terms of story plot writing all of it completely completely different um uh, so that was uh, so that was that was a Saturday. <laughs> um, was it a sim- um, is it a similar reading experience to Narrow Road to the Deep North, the only Richard Flanagan book I've ever read? Well, I don't know because I've never read any other <laughs> Richard Flanagan. So you probably <laughs> talk to Ben about that, and I'm sure um, yeah. you know uh, Ben would probably uh, write and and talk very much more eloquently about the book than yeah. than it's I. It's a very I, different but, topic, yeah. I know. But I wonder if it's the same kind of reading experience, which is. Yeah. I feel long. like I'm gonna. I feel like I'm. No, it's not long. Like I, I read that. Like I don't. The book's not very long at all. Like it's, it's such, quite small. It's quite actually small. It's just it's it's in hardcover. The most beautiful looking book as well. If you are a, just a fan of beautiful books, you just have to get this book. Um, it is like the cover is amazing. When you take the the um, dust jacket off, the cover underneath is even more amazing. It is wow. so stunning. Okay. Um, it does look really beautiful. Which is not what I normally go on and on about when I'm talking about a fiction book, but but it is. But the, the other thing I wanted to, sorry, if I, you know, since you guys, since Sarah had less things she's read, I've read. I've read, <laughs> I've read, I've read <laughs> I'm reading. I've read. <laughs> um, I uh, read a book which, talking about beautiful covers, is also got the most beautiful cover um even like the actual um, proof copy was so was so sparkly that I could barely take a photo of it <laughs> when I was reading it to to show that I was reading it the other week. And then the, when I've seen the finished copy, it's even better. It's also a hardback, and um, anyone that gets this as a present this year is going to be so so happy. Um, the book is called "The Grandest Bookshop in the World" by Amelia Mellor, and it's actually it's a fictional story. Um, for middle grade, slightly older middle grade, maybe I would say like it's quite it's quite um, it's quite a long book for so you know you'd be like you know ten and up kind of kind of age I would I would say, um, and um, it's completely fictional, it's completely magical, but it is actually set in um, uh, in a real place, which was a real place in Melbourne, um, the E W Cole Bookstore, um, which. Uh, I don't know, I, I remember because it's my generation, but people under me might 
under my age might not remember so much. But there was um, he was really famous even even you know when I was growing up for this book called the Cole's Funny Cole's Funny Picture Book, and um, he was this guy was just this incredible incredible man who created the most amazing. It wasn't you can't even really call it a bookstore because he sold other things and books in there as well. It started off as a bookstore and he, he was just, it's just a magical place. He had like this amazing tea room. He had like live, a live band playing. He had like a stationary department, a haberdashery department. So it was almost like a precursor to your kind of like really big kind of like experience, experiential department store kind of uh, shopping experience. And it was just, just incredible. Anyway, so the story is about um, two of his uh, children uh, Pearl and um, Valley. Pearl is the first uh, protagonist that we um, that we meet, and then Valley is her um, is her uh, slightly older brother. And um, uh, basically, they love living there. It's amazing. They have had some tragedy in their life. One of their siblings had passed away a few years earlier. Of um, I think in real life it's scarlet fever. I can't remember in the book if they actually say what it is. Um, and you know, there's like, oh, there's a menagerie in the place as well with oh. like talking parrots, and there's this world of wonders. Like the place is just incredible. Um, and they find out that um, their 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 father, who they call Pa, has actually um, risked the fate of the arcade and himself in a deal with a mysterious stranger called the Obscuro. I'm going to say it wrong. Obscuro Smith. Um, who basically has um, uh, has Ted's told their dad that they that he will make that he can make anything come true that people want for a price. So he's basically promised promised the promised Pa that he'll bring the dead daughter back to life, and um, in exchange for his own life, basically, and and the bookstore. Now, what he actually brings to life is basically a, a wax like version of the daughter. So she's not. It's not her, obviously. You can't bring someone dead back to life, even in a magical world. It's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> and so um, Pearl is, like, really, like, she's really adventurous. She's really kind of, like, uh, sort of a little bit foolhardy. She just makes this, she makes this deal with the Obscurus myth that if they can, um, if they can um, win the game against him, that um, they, there's, like, seven challenges and they have to do it by the stroke of midnight, that the arcade and their father will be restored, the deal is done, and the Obscurus myth will go away. Um, and so basically it's pretty high stakes. It's for a kid's book. It's pretty high stakes. I was feeling the pressure <laughs> while I was reading it. And so, um, and it's really fantastic. And Amelia has, uh, it's, her, it's her debut uh, novel, but she, for, for kids, and she's written just um, the most magical book, but set in like reality where, you, you know, like I knew that the Coles Book Arcade was a real place and that's why I was interested in the book, but it's so magical. And then at the end you're thinking, surely none of those things could have actually been real. Like, you know, surely there really wasn't this incredible tea house with, you know, um, and this menagerie of animals and stuff. But then at the back, at the end, she's put a little um, a little chapter in about kind of, you know, the reality of what, what was there. And it is amazing, which was then incredible because I found an article in the paper about um, about E.W. Cole and another and a book that's coming out, which is actually already out um, at the exact same time. So once you've read the grandest bookshop in the world. If you want to know more about E.W. Cole, you can read a book called Under the Rainbow, The Life and Times of E.W. Cole um, by Richard um, Bronowski. And it is a hardcover, another hardcover, also a beautiful book. It's just the theme of the theme of the theme of the week, I think. And um, it's got heaps and heaps of photos um, of, um, of Cole's uh, book arcade, um, of the um, 
amazing of his family, of the places that he visited. Um, it's, it's got fantastic research. Like he's done so much research into um, basically going through his entire life. And it really sets you in the, of how different this man was in the times that he, he lives in. So um, I thought that was amazing that they both come out at the same time and they're such a good read together. And if, if you love fiction and you're not so much of a non-fiction person, you'll still really love this because it's basically, he basically tells like stories all the way through about this, about this incredible man's life. And I think it's great that we find out more about him because That's he so really cool. was super interesting. I've never even heard of that book store. Oh, no, it's, yeah. yeah. It was like, it, I mean, it, it, it completely, after he died, he's, no one could run it like he could. He was really, mm. was really led by him. And so it got sold off and disintegrated and, you know, mm. it's gone now. But um, while it was, while it was around for like 40, 40 years or something like that, it was like the place to go. I mean, it's a great story that he tells about, like, he opened the bookstore on Melbourne Cup Day and said, wow. don't go to the races, come, come and read a book instead. <laughs> He didn't. He he basically had showing like had a these tokens, and you gave like the tokens were free. And if you gave a token, you could go and sit. You could just go into the bookstore and sit there and read. You didn't have to buy anything. Um, he just did all these kind of like he was like a real uh, retailing kind of genius, basically. Um, so yeah, oh. you can learn about learn about um, uh, the family and like the 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 magic in the first book, and then learn about like the re the real man in the second book. What's the recurring um, rainbow on both covers all about? Oh, because that was the, um, that's what, if you look at a photo of Cole's book arcade, it, the rainbow was the, um, that was his um, logo, basically. Oh, wonderful. That's, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for, for sharing all that, Shanu. Um, thank you for actually, uh, not only did you read books, you read books <laughs> out. <so> that, <laughs> hey, I did an extra weekend booktopian this month. I think that's I'm right. doing okay. That was that's right. <laughs> that, could be, that could be like a new content series, Shanu reading out loud uh, in her garden. Yeah. I did have to stop reading also because the neighbor, the some neighbors' kids started coming out and screaming like they were in serious pain. But I don't think they were. I think that's just what they call playing. I don't have kids, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not super familiar with the difference in the sounds. But that's what. Uh, so it, it, it might have been children getting murdered. It might was, have just been children playing. It, it might have been Flanagan's prose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. This is one for. That's right. yeah. I'm actually really curious to read that book as my second Richard Flanagan reading book. Yes. Um, if I ever read again, which is in doubt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, um, before we move on into book fight, just let me firstly apologize. Um, if you if if I have some background noise coming through right now, I apologize for that. I have a guy mowing my lawn right now um, because you know some people were born to mow lawns and others were born to have them mowed for them. <laughs> <laughs> I can't hear it. I think you're good. No, I think you yeah. Okay, good. Um, so before we jump into book fight, uh, we're actually sponsored this week by by a by a book. Uh, Ten things about writing. Build your story one word at a time by Joanne Harris is an indispensable guide to the craft of writing and the business of publishing from one of our best-selling and most versatile authors uh, who famously wrote the book Chocolat, or as it's known uh, by my mom, Chocolate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or by me as the one with Juliette Binoche and Johnny Depp. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
so this is um, a, a wonderful book that takes the reader beyond the stage of writing and finishing a manuscript and editorial changes into the territory as well of rights, publicity, and marketing. Uh, whether you have the urge to write crime fiction or a fantasy novel, literary short stories, or blockbuster thrillers, Joanne's book will speak to you. And you can order that right now on booktopia.com.au, and it is published through Booktopia Editions. So now it's inevitably reached that point in the podcast where oh. we roll up our sleeves and duke it out for supremacy in book fight. I so, didn't like this part. You, love this part. <laughs> you all love this part. Um, so you all have to choose a word that you're going to use to buzz in uh, to claim a question. Liv, what's your word going to be? Summer. Shinu? Rainbow. And Sarah? Um... I don't know. TV. Where? TBR. London. 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 Good All right. Uh, fingers on buzzers. And um, are we ready to, to, to fight? Sure. <clears throat> All right. Question one. Author Sam McBratney passed away this week at the age of 77. What children's book? Was London. Sarah. Guess how much I love you? Yes. Very good. I'll see. I've been dealing with the newest book because he's got a new book. A new book that's be my now coming out. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. So, yeah. It's so sad. sad. It's very sad. It's a beautiful book, though. Like, what a follow up. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Let's just pause yeah. the fight for a moment so I can talk about Will You Be My Friend by Sam McRamey, which is, it's, um, who sadly passed away. It's like a gorgeous book. And if you've ever read, uh, Guess How Much I Love You to a Child and you know what, how lovely it is, Will You Be My Friend is. Uh, worthy successor. Agreed. I have read it. Okay. Unpause. <laughs> okay. The next question. I'm sure none of you will get this because I feel like this is something that only like was trending before. Um, and I'm sure you're all too busy to notice. But hot off the press, <laughs> the Arthur C. Clarke Award for 2020 has been awarded. <laughs> oh shit. Book one. <laughs> I don't believe that's your buzzer, Liv. No, it's not. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't going to answer. That was an oh crap! I forgot. Do a blog post. I don't know. Y'all give up? No, nobody knows. Oh no! Sorry. Um, is this sorry? What is the Arthur C. Clarke Award? What's uh, who's Arthur C. Yeah, Clarke? That was a joke. That was a joke. Was, I know who he is. I know who he is. I was a joking. Book might have won. Like a clue. Did you say it was the first? It was the first. Um, I, I, I you didn't just say that. I didn't say oh. that. First something. That's can we I'm can we do to. can we do title sounds like and you just say something that rhymes <laughs> with the title? <laughs> <laughs> title rhymes with. Okay, it is a it is a debut. It okay, is, it um, is a debut novel, and it is um, it's uh, it's an African story. Oh, far out. It's been it's been described as the great African novel of the twenty first century. All of them are described like there's that. many. There's not enough information. All right, I'm I'm just gonna say that nobody got this. It is okay. a book called The Old Drift by Namwali Sopel. I definitely did not get that. Yeah, we all no. failed. Minus yeah. one point for all of no, us. No, I'm not gonna, I, I I know <laughs> prior to this that I was in a mood and I was gonna take points off, but um. But uh, the thought of Shinu reading out loud, Richard Flanagan in her garden and upsetting the neighbor's children, for some reason that's just brought me joy. Excellent. 
Okay, next question. Uh, Tommy Adeyemi was named as one of the most influential people in the world in Time Magazine's top 100 most influential people in the world 2020 list this week. Name the first two installments of her Legacy of Arisha Bella. series. Of Arisha series. Uh, sorry, who buzzed in there? Liv. Liv, okay. Um, Children of Blood and Bone. Yep. Oh, God, what's the second? I Vengeance. <laughs> Rust and vengeance. <laughs> Virtue and vengeance. Virtue of it. Yes, correct. Yeah. Well done, Liv. That's, well done. That's a two-point question. So there you go. Okay. Next question. The word grok means to understand something intuitively. Name the author who coined the word and a bonus point for the book in which he did it. Um, I'm going to get. All I heard was grok. Um, <laughs> I'm saying rainbow, and I have no idea, but I'm just going to say Douglas Adams and Hitchhiker's guide because that's all I can think of as someone um, that would make up stuff. Okay. No, but you're in you're in the probably the right genre. London. Oh. Yes, Sarah. Do I if I guess the person do I get one point and I, yeah. I won't know what the book is. Is it Terry Pratchett? It's not Terry Pratchett. <laughs> oh. I thought this was super famous. Um, only no. in your circles, Mark. I think I think this, you need to you know uh, pass these questions by general general book knowledge people not specific genre book knowledge uh people <laughs> wait wait so you're in the ballpark with douglas adams so it's probably science fiction it oh is. um yeah it, what's the what's the other what the other person who's completely forgot blanked again uh, who's um, funny that wrote science fiction oh is this a june thing it's not a june thing Okay. Um, but it's, so I'll give you. I'll give you a clue. Uh, Don't he, think June's meant to be funny. He's American, um, middle of the twentieth century author. Wrote some <laughs> that wrote, wrote a book. I think. I think this was published in the sixties. That this that this book came from, which was kind of quite a big. It's quite a big counterculture book. Um, it has a bit of a cult following. He also wrote a book that got turned into <laughs> a movie in the nineties. That has. Sorry. Is it Philip K. Dick? No. What? <laughs> okay, maybe what's <laughs> Robert Heinlein, The Stranger in a Strange Land. What are you? Oh, never have got it. Okay, that is this not. Is, this is paid up for that time that I hosted book fight and it was a disaster. I think I think so far this seems quite pretty disastrous to me. So <laughs> I'm enjoying this so much more than the normal book fight. You can always tell when when the questions are relatively normal. It means I've had time to prepare. Pulling <laughs> <laughs> on shit that I know. It's like, it's like this like ten minutes. It's like, it's, no, no, you don't understand. I went to a trivia trivia thing once where there was just random people that had put their trivia questions together, and it was some real Matrix nerds that had put together the trivia night, like real like real huge fans. And so there was a, you know, a video and they, they showed a tiny, tiny clip, maybe 10 seconds, and they said, say what comes next. The thing with The Matrix, there were three movies, right? They all basically looked the same yeah. and they were all basically the same. And yeah. so there was no way anyone was ever. And there was you 10 just, questions that were like that. I was like, well, I would have found that very amusing, just as I am finding this very <laughs> amusing. This is my favourite book fight I've ever been in. Okay. Let's well, my what, what will you ask us next? <laughs> The next one, the next one's gonna blow your mind. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't wait. The novel Pattern Recognition by William Gibson oh. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, you haven't read the question yet. <laughs> inspired the novel Pattern Recognition by William Gibson, inspired a song of the same name by which pioneering American rock band known for their use of noise? <laughs> Hearing the whole question what? did not help. <laughs> No use of noise. Without music. That wasn't like for a use of silence. They're very, they're, they're, they're a famous band being them. like very noisy and like buzzing what? and noise and just. Okay, what should, should we make this a yes or no thing? Was the band from the 80s? Uh, yes, 80s and 90s. It's around today, I think, actually. Um, <laughs> what else can we ask here? <laughs> I can give you a clue. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you two of two of the band members. Uh, okay. Kim Gordon. Oh, uh, I've been really. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. None of you are using your buzzers. Can I, I just I, point I, out? I did though. I, I, I also knew, but I was the and then yelled summer. Yeah, sorry. I, I, I should have just yelled the answer out because I had the answer, but I couldn't remember what my buzzer was. <laughs> okay, so we've got the band. Will we ever get the song? No, no, it's the song of the same title, oh, Pattern Recognition. Oh, okay. Recognition, yeah. Very good. See? See? Joe would, no, no, no. We only yeah, knew I'm so one. excited for the we next one. Go, go, go. All right, this is, gonna be, this is a very hard one. <laughs> what is the complete title of That's What I Reckon's upcoming book? Oh, summer. Olivia. Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> a Rat Bag's oh, Guide to Life. No. A Rat Bag's Guide to Life? That's yeah. it, right? You're missing. You're missing the first part of it, though. Oh. A rat bag's a rat bag's guide for a rat, a rat bag's rules for life is the subtitle. <laughs> is it uncooked or uncook yourself? Very good. That's it. Wow. Okay. I love so, that's what I reckon. Heading into the last question, I'll do a score check. Sarah is on one, Shanice is on zero, and Olivia is on four. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm going to ask the last question anyway, and this one is not it's not kind of like the other ones you'll be pleased to know okay which book, I'll be less pleased. <laughs> which book opens with the line we slept in what had once been the gymnasium oh summer olivia uh, oh for it handmaid's tale margaret atwood very good five points olivia wins yay olivia again very much more fun than the average book fight <laughs> <laughs> So I should do this every time then? Yes, just ask really obscure questions and then we'll try and get to them by asking you yes or no questions in response. I like it. Really obscure science fiction quiz from my <laughs> I just don't even, I don't even, I just don't really mind what the answer is. <laughs> it could be wrong and I'd be like, okay, sure. <laughs> I just find science fiction a very intimidating genre because there's so much out there and it's like, I'm sure it's all amazing. I just don't know where to start. We would have got it if it was a related to Hitchhiker's kind of the case. <laughs> well, I asked I asked a Hitchhiker's question last week in, on an un <laughs> unrelatedly. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to repeat myself. All right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> to all my guests for joining me today and thank you to everybody who listened. Weekend Booktopian is produced by Nick Vasiliev. You can find links to the books we've discussed today in the episode description or you can find them at booktopia.com.au. You can listen to all of our shows for free right now on SoundCloud and iTunes, including our recent interview with Jane Harper. Until next time, thanks for listening and never stop reading. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, 
you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or, if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au.